Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In today's episode, I'm joined by Sam Wadwani. Sam is a Salesforce CTA and the author of The Accessible Architect. Through this episode, Sam talks us through his career journey from starting out with Siebel to entering the Salesforce ecosystem and then his journey to Salesforce CTA. Sam speaks openly and honestly around some of the challenges he has faced on his way to passing the review board and explains why honest self-assessment and career planning are so important. Sam really highlights the importance of well-being and shed some light on areas we have not previously discussed on this podcast. I really hope you take something away from Sam's journey and advice and that you enjoy this episode. Please note that Sam's views and comments are his own and do not represent the views of his current or previous employers. Sam, thanks so much for joining us today. Really excited to hear more about you, your journey, and some of your advice and tips that you're sharing now with your audience. So yeah, thank you very much. It's okay. Not a problem. I'm looking forward to it. So we always like to start looking back and going back a bit in in history and trying to work out how you got to the point you're at now. So if we could get an insight, I guess, on your early career or even before that and and your studies and and what you kind of wanted to be and then how that kind of progressed through the early career. Yeah, sure. So (laughs) what I wanted to be changed a lot when I was younger, (laughs) that's for sure. I think I went through a waiter, pilot. um, There's lots of things, as you can imagine. But I eventually settled on engineering, actually, chemical engineering, and went to university to do a master's. But part way through that, I sort of realised that it wasn't for me. Um, and I guess, actually, thinking about it now, that's probably the start of when I started sort of becoming a bit more introspective and self-reflecting and things like that, because it was then that I thought, actually, I need to change. I need to do something different because, you know, I need to do something that's more suited to my strengths and and the way I think. So I switched to uh, computing after doing the masters in engineering, and spent a um, you know a year or two just moving on to a computing degree. It was after that that I you know realised actually there's multiple routes that I can you know go down to get into sort of an engineering stroke computing you know combination. And I thought actually consulting would give me a lot of breadth. So I, I sort of decided that technology consulting was the sort of thing that I would want to do. And yeah, so I got a job with a small consultancy consulting in Siebel. So, you know, started, I'm a thoroughbred in a way from a CRM perspective and consulting perspective. And um, so I spent five years at a small consultancy that punched above its weight and built a name for itself because of its the sort of quality of consultant that a consultancy that I was part of but it was, it was very much a small consultancy mindset so you you sort of have the opportunity and you have to do it all <laughs> you have to be talking at you know at a high level you have to be you're thinking about data migration you have to think about the breadth of the technology because there isn't that many people you know in your team to do that and then after the five years um, I got to a level where I sort of thought actually I am an architect or I, I feel like I'm an architect but I, there was this new technology on the block called Salesforce 
And then I moved from Siebel to Salesforce, but with a new consultancy firm. Again, quite a small consultancy firm at the same time, because I really enjoy that small firm sort of mentality. But I was there for about 10 years before I joined my current employer. It's interesting because you mentioned you were kind of playing all sorts of different roles um, in the Siebel world. And I was going to ask, like, I don't know much about Siebel. It, it kind of was before my time of, of recruiting in this space. Were you like more technically slanted? Like, were you more of a developer and then had to pick up the consulting side? Or were you more of a consultant and had to learn to code? Like, how did that start? I think it was a bit of both for me. So I was very technically minded anyway, but the consulting side of things developed more over time, I would say. As with most people, the technical side of things, you you learn a lot on the job. You learn by you know going through certifications and you know, I guess making mistakes as well, both in the technical side and in the consulting side. That's a really important part of it. So yeah, I think I learned both. Is one more painful than the other when you're making mistakes, like in consulting because you've got people in front of you, or in the technical aspect because people are going to find out further down the line? But it, it like. Because making mistakes is is often something people don't want to do, but it's part of learning, right? So did you find one harder than the other when you're you're making a mistake in front of a customer as as a consultant or just learning to develop and, and finding your way through that? Was there one that was more painful than the other? At that point in time, I would say that the consulting side of things is more dangerous to get wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, a technical side of things with technology to a degree, I've got a caveat that you know it isn't always the case. And, you know, it's frequently black or white. You've either done it right and it works or it doesn't work. So when it doesn't work, it's a case of, okay, go back, you know, look at the problem again. There's almost always a way of you putting it right. With consulting, if you damage a relationship, that is very difficult to come back from. (laughs) So I would say in the early days, you know, when I was sort of developing those consulting skills, the consulting side was was more of a risk than the technical side. As a junior developer or a junior consultant, you, you're not expected to know everything. <laughs> so it, it's you know it's conceivable and acceptable that you, you there may be some mistakes. Sure. So when you made that transition into the Salesforce space, so you'd already been an architect in Siebel. You'd, you'd kind of did, like you said, doing a bit of everything. What did you initially start doing as a Salesforce professional? So again, it was you know it was learning the technology and learning it fast because we were in a consultancy and we wanted to start consulting and, and providing those services as soon as possible in the technology. So um, a lot of it was building the the credence. I mean, uh, as an architect, in terms of architect skills, it meant looking at the you know the technology as a whole and its capabilities, but then also looking at okay, what other technologies does it work with? What does the ecosystem look like? What typically would I, where where would I fit, you know, Salesforce into a company's technical landscape? Um, It was things like that. And it it, it, certainly in the Siebel world, you know, towards the end of that part of my career, it was only at that stage that I sort of realized I was perhaps venturing into architecture and thinking more like an architect and, you know, and applying more architecture skills than just, you know, a a developer or a business analyst or, you know, all those other roles. So when you came across, as we've said, you were an architect and therefore you've already had, you've already built up that knowledge and and how to to be an architect, even though the technology was slightly different. But um, in the ecosystem at the moment, I find that the people are in a rush to make that leap. So rather than 
earning their stripes and and you know building that knowledge over time and, and becoming an architect and then you know growing into the technology people want to be an architect as soon as possible is that something you've seen and, and why do you think that is yeah so i think Part of the reason may be because of the value that's currently placed on architects. I think the marketplace at the moment needs architects. And I think it's because the ecosystem has changed quite a lot. If I look back to five, 10 years ago, what the size and scale of the Salesforce technology set was, is very different to what it is now with multi-cloud and it's expanding into a lot more of the behavioral insights and, and analytical insights that customers interacting with the system you know demonstrate so these days everything is connected absolutely everything is connected and that means that the sort of shape and size of it is greater and because of that it needs architects to be able to connect things together and decide, okay, where's the best use of this particular feature or where's the best use of that particular feature. But I also think the architect role has become more approachable over time. And it's it's certainly nowadays more achievable than it ever was through the number of certifications that you can get that, you know, that sort of in a more structured way, take you through the journey of developing those architecture skills and the domains and the perspectives that you've got to look at, you know, to become an architect. But I will say that there's still flavors of architects that you typically see. And I think there's a misconception that, you know, as soon as you pass the the core architect certifications, you're then, you know, ready to take on the CTA review board. And that's that's a myth, I think, that, that needs to be dispelled in the in the marketplace, you know, as much as possible. There's still, you know, I, I interact with data architects and marketing architects, and there's still specialisms that are valuable. Uh, and it's really about the expertise and the proficiency in that particular domain. The architects, you know, buzzword gets thrown around quite a lot. <laughs> but what it really is 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 a, an awareness of where to use technology to solve a broader problem. I will caveat that with there's still also a need for admins. There's still also a need for functional you know, people. There's still also a need for data people. And it, that's by no means exhaustive. But it, it's the value that's placed on the architect needing to connect these things together that is, has become more and more valuable. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting, like your point around the certifications. And I do think, I think Salesforce themselves will, will openly say that, like I've been in meetups where like Suzanne Ferguson has said, like that's just the start of being you know, eligible to start progressing towards the CTA. But you, yeah. there, there's much more to it than just ticking off that pyramid. And, and also I think in the ecosystem, it's like, I, I feel that people just feel that that has to be the progression. Like you have to yeah. be striving towards being an architect. And actually you don't, like you can be a, just a really good senior admin and, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Or yeah. a really good senior developer or a technical lead, like you don't have to strive towards the goal of, of CTA, but obviously we do need more architects. So it's good that there are those steps that enable people to get to that point. In your view, how important is career planning? And I know that you've been helping or, or, or you are helping people with their identifying their goals and, and you know working towards that. So I guess this ties in nicely to being an architect or progressing towards that point, because having a career plan is probably like one surefire way of being able to achieve goals by knowing where you're going and how you're going to get there. 
yeah absolutely career planning is essential um in in my view um i mean there's no substitute for hard work you've got that that's uh, an undercurrent that you know goes without saying the the one thing that you know i would say in your career planning though is to you know be honest with yourself <laughs> first and foremost but make conscious decisions as well if if you step from logical step to logical step because of the expectation of the of the market or the expectation of those around you or those in your company or your seniors you're not really making that conscious decision yourself and because of that you you'll just you know stumble into roles rather than sort of deliberately wanting to get somewhere or wanting to develop in a in a direction that is useful to you complements your skills and your strengths and if if your heart's not in it you won't achieve it yeah, you can't do it for someone else no no the other thing i would say is that i think it's worth considering that your next certification or your next achievement or your next sort of level shouldn't shouldn't be the end it rarely is <laughs> i talk about making that conscious decision but it's a direction that you you know and people should think about moving in rather than a an end goal if that makes sense because learning never stops experience never stops you know so so why should your why should your career either it shouldn't be badged up like that yeah for sure and on the topic of goals obviously so you are a CTA you passed the review board in April um congratulations uh, obviously a huge achievement and it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort and time and you know more than I could ever imagine being able to commit myself but when did that become a goal and, and how has that kind of journey evolved for you over the the period of time that it took yeah so I get I guess my 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 journey has been quite long I've been now in the Salesforce ecosystem for about 12 years just over 12 years and CTA became a goal for me back in 2014 when I uh, I sort of became a bit more conscious that I gathered quite a lot of breadth you know in my knowledge but also and uh, and the experience but also I had sort of understood the underpinnings of of the technology so I had a good foundational knowledge as well so the quote that gets emblazoned is breadth and depth as a CTA um you could be asked about any question you know about any technology that's related to salesforce or you know within salesforce um as a feature set but you could also be asked about okay well how does that work you know under the covers and that's that's about talking to you know the sorts of people like CTOs and infosec people and things like that so back in 2014 it became a goal 2015 i took my first review board and i failed back then i think uh, well even now the the reason i wanted to go for it was because of the credence and also the formality of of saying okay you do have these skills but it was more for me to that i wanted to operate at that level talking to ctos it was and and be able to talk to them in a way that meant they could understand what the solution was end to end you know top to bottom back to front to give them that assurance that it was going to work for them and the problems were going to be solved so CTA you know and on all that it embodies gave that credence to be able to talk at that level to the stakeholders but it also meant that my intention was always to help other people 
whether it be those CTOs, whether it be the you know, COOs um, to solve the problems or whether it be other people in the, you know, in the ecosystem. And a lot of the um, a lot of that comes with the credence of, of, of CTA. My journey in particular has been quite hard, <laughs> I would say, because I failed multiple times. And part of that has been the impact of failure, which I think is important, but also the the motivation, the momentum, the you know, tenacity, I guess, to, to keep going and to keep striving to achieve that end, you know, that, that sort of level. This episode of Talent Hub Talk is sponsored by our friends from Flow Republic. Flow Republic is a Salesforce Architect Academy that works with individuals and businesses to upskill and prepare Salesforce architects for the CTA Review Board. They also have a number of other offerings, including coaching and guiding on areas such as soft skills, consulting, and design training. Flow Republic are some of the brightest minds in the Salesforce ecosystem and have a proven track record of developing Salesforce professionals and helping architects to reach their goal of becoming a CTA. To find out more about the value they can add, please check out flowrepublic.com. So how, because uh, I guess um, you, you've probably changed a lot over the years of first attempting it to, to now. And what, what's your relationship like with failure now, having gone through more than one attempt at, at, at passing? And uh, I guess you to you have to accept that, that failure is an option. And, and how does your relationship change with that over time? Yeah, so I think one thing I've come to realise is that the way you look at failure is more about your expectations than it is about others. So what I've come to realise, having done it many times before, is that it's become more acceptable as a general a general thing, but it, it's, um, it's also about you individually making peace with that. So I know through <laughs> some painful times that I realise my expectations of myself are probably higher than other people's expectations of me. Um, and what that means is that over time, in the early days, I was trying to meet their expectations and I was sort of comfortable with that. But the more I've sort of failed and, uh, and understood myself, the more I've realised that actually my expectations are the ones that I should be trying to you know, focus on and not those of others. Yes, there's, you know, there's, a, there's a level at which people expect quality. That goes without saying. But if my level is higher than that and I'm achieving my level, then I should be comfortable with that. Whether that means failing multiple times to get there, it's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because chances are other people's expectations of me, you know, are already achieved. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a great way to look at it. So how how did it feel to to then pass? Like when you found out in April you passed, what was the was it relief or just pure joy? Like what was the overwhelming feeling at that point? Um, I was speechless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, genu- genuinely, I felt winded when I heard the news. But um, it was you know, there's so much adrenaline that that goes through your experience when you're going through such a you know a, a sort of unique set of circumstances which is the review board, that um, that it, it feels surreal at the time. And, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't deny that there was an element of relief <laughs> because the level of you know, emotion and mental you know, strength and the, you know, the sort of intensity that you go through um, in getting there you know, it is significant 
Um, it's it's not trivial at all. So yeah, the, there is an element of relief, but it's relief in the sense that okay, you've gone you've gone through that and you've you've come out the other side. Those skills don't go anywhere. Like you've still got them, and they and they become part of your tool belt to then continue your journey as a CTA. So it's not that you will never experience those circumstances again. You absolutely will. <laughs> but you now have that sort of assurance and confidence that you can do it, you have done it, and you can do it again. Mm-hmm. So very much, you know, confidence building, very much relief, very much the um, comfort level. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I read your article on your website and it was like one of the most honest interview I guess pieces of content I'd, I'd seen from someone in the ecosystem talking about themselves and like you truly assessed yourself right and you, you gave um, what you felt was good and what, what you felt what wasn't so great and, and areas for improvement and I think like I'll make sure that we, we link out to that because I think it's a great piece of content for people to read but it must have also been quite difficult to write and to put out there and, and to be honest about your self-assessed shortcomings but why is that so important, especially for anyone that does want to, to maybe go on the review board and, and go down that journey? Why is self-assessment and, and an honest self-assessment so important? Yeah, it's a good question. So I'll say, first of all, that actually writing it didn't take that long at all. It probably took me about an hour, surprisingly. But I think that's because I got to a point where I'd understood a lot of it already that it was then just getting it down on paper uh, and recalling a lot of the facts you know that that I went through but why is it important I would say that that sort of honest self-assessment is is important because what it is to establish is that expectation Um, the journey to CTA is not to be taken you know lightly and I, I say that people give up their jobs to do you know, the journey to CTA, you know, it's that significant. But it's significant because, like I say, it's a unique environment to be in. That's not to say you won't be in it again, but, you know, it's a, it's quite a unique one as a test um, to be in with the time constraint and the sort of breadth and density of, um, of technical knowledge that you need to um, articulate in a very short space of time. But if you don't look at the way you operate and what makes you tick and how you think, how you react, how you feel when you're going through some of these experiences, then you can set yourself up to have an expectation of both your capability and what you can achieve that just may not be realistic. And what that means is that, in my view at least, is that whilst you have this inner voice that is telling you that you have to achieve a certain level, you're not balancing that with the reality that is, okay, you operate in a particular way. So maybe your expectations need to change or maybe there's a different way of achieving it. So I I struggled with the perfectionist side of things and I then battled with, you know, the perfectionist side with the fact that I felt a lot of people already considered me a CTA, therefore I had to achieve it. So there's a lot of pressure there. So that just kept me trying in the early days of my journey, trying to spend every waking moment either studying or practicing or thinking about the technical content. 
or how to achieve um, the presentations and things like that. It was all consuming. But that meant that if I didn't look at myself and think, actually, what I've given up to try and do that is the very thing that balances my thought process out. So it's exercising, it's taking time out to relax. All of those things actually complement and help you to think clearly. So I was sort of putting hurdles up in front of myself, but without realizing it. So it's things like that, that I think you have to sort of look inwardly and take a step back and, uh, and objectively consider, okay, why did I make that decision? Or why am I struggling to do X, Y, and Z? Yeah. I think I said in my article that there were times where I talked to my, my wife, I'd say something and she, she just wouldn't respond. <laughs> and I was thinking, okay, give, give me something back, you know, <laughs> is this, am I making sense? Is this sensible? Is it anything? You know, but what I came to realize is that she could see, I wasn't talking to her. I was actually talking to myself. Yeah. Right. And I was, I was sort of trying to clarify things in my head, but also reassure myself that actually it's okay to find it difficult. It's okay to not be able to make a decision in one particular area or another because it's hard. <laughs> so it, it's things like that. So that the inner voice is ever present and you've got to listen to it. That is what will sort of guide you, but you've got to realize that it is there and there's something that's going on. That will help you set realistic expectations of yourself. And ultimately both of those things plus a you know a shift in mentality will help you succeed. So it is absolutely critical that you sort of look at yourself and self-assess. And obviously now I, I think that that's something that's come to you over time, right? Because if you went back to, to 2015 or, or when you started that journey, I guess you would do a lot of things differently now that you have reflected on all of this. So what would you change if you started your journey again? I think the, I said it before, there's no substitute for hard work. You've got to put the hard work in. There's lots of, you know, lots of people out there who will share knowledge. Um, it's about taking that knowledge in, but ultimately it's your journey. So I believe that if I was to do it again, I would sort of think about, okay, what's my journey? How do I work? You know, what's my motivation? How do I maintain my enthusiasm you know, and my you know, that momentum over time? but also realize and and part of my sort of mission, if you like, um, is to bring awareness to a lot of this because the sacrifice is real. Um, It's absolutely real. And I talk to people at the moment about their stars aligning for success because there are so many forces in taking on this journey that can compete against each other. Something has to give in order for you to get there. So you know, what I've learned is that you've got to be realistic, but you've also got to be honest. The ramifications these days as well are also more significant than they were. What I mean by that is um, the the current program has introduced a a formal stage gate called the 602 or the um, candidate evaluation stage. Now, what that means is that there's a formal checkpoint that if you pass great you're you're sort of on your way and you're within um, months of of the final board as a mark of readiness but if you fail then you can't schedule another readiness 
assessment for another six months. And then after that, if you do pass, you've got another, you know, two or three months at the uh, at most before the review board. So if you think about the overall timescales, that's a, at least nine months, at least potentially 12 months, potentially, of sustained momentum, sustained enthusiasm and motivation. That's that's not easy to achieve. So for those who are embarking on their journey, I go back to that conscious decision. Unless you have you're making a conscious decision and a commitment to undertake that sort of level for that sort of period of time, then you'll you'll be okay to you know to get there. If you're wavering in any way, you're going to find it a challenge. So that's what I would say is the biggest learning point. So do you think you just at that earlier on it wasn't kind of apparent as to how much commitment you would need to make to to get yeah. because I think at, like back then you felt technically strong enough to pass the review but okay. otherwise you wouldn't have gone for it so it wasn't the technical thing that that no. that you felt was lacking right back then and I think that's common with um, a lot of people is that they've got the technical knowledge you there are um, so many people that you that I've encountered um, along my way that I think wow they they are incredible you know their knowledge is incredible their depth is incredible their um, ability to apply it is incredible there's a lot of impressive impressive people out there but I I do believe that what isn't apparent and there isn't a lot of awareness of is that journey it's the personal journey it's the and everybody's different everybody everybody will have a different journey some people will find parts of it easy like the motivation some people will find the you know the the pace of it too much yeah so mm. so is that your mission now now you're you've achieved it's to kind of spread that awareness how are you how are you kind of hoping to to help and uh, and share that knowledge to people that, that may be even starting their journey now yeah it is yeah absolutely so as i said you know for a long time i've um, sort of built a wealth of you know technical knowledge and, and experience working in many different sectors so i you know, I'm always learning on the on the technical side of things. That never stops. I, I, you know, said before the journey never ends, fortunately or unfortunately. And also, there's a lot of intelligent people out there with a lot of knowledge who publish a lot of the technical material, so podcasts and blogs and you know and so on. And that is still part of the you know the development path. But I think what complements that. Um, and it's part of my mission is combining that technical side with the sort of um, the wellness and the well-being side of things. So bringing awareness to and helping with um, those areas where people, you know, uh, need some help, um, need to talk, um, need some guidance, need in some cases just the question being posed to them in that particular you know, struggle area or difficult area to help them think and to help them gain clarity. Yeah, so my sort of ambition is that um, I can complement a lot of the technical knowledge in the ecosystem with a lot of the well-being side of things. Mental health, you know, so important these days and, and technology has a part to play in that as well. So coaching and mentoring is absolutely where I'm where I'm going. And it's not that's in addition to my normal, you know, working life. <laughs> Um, yeah. It's not to replace that by any stretch. Sure. Well, you've got some some uh, time in your diary now. You've passed to uh, some gaps to fill. So, and I, I think that's really amazing that you're doing that. And, and that's one thing I, I often see with CTAs. They've 
they've hit that that goal and now they want to give back. But I agree, what you're looking to do is different to to that um, that kind of uh, offering that we hear out there more regularly, which is the the kind of technical co- uh, consulting and coaching. So, so I, I definitely think there's a valuable service there for people out there. Uh, and if anyone does want to reach out and kind of find out more about you know your journey or, or kind of picking your brains on on their journey and, and where they're potentially um, finding some gaps, where's the best place to contact you? The, the best one is probably on LinkedIn. So um, you can find me linkedin.in forward slash Stanwoodwani uh, or uh, Twitter. So at Accessible App is there as well. Um, but both of those links are available on on the website that I've um, I've started, and you know I, I'll caveat again, it's in its infancy, so it's developing as we as we go. But um, both of those links are available there. So you know www.theaccessiblearchitect.com, um, you can get them there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I, I've really enjoyed the chat. And it's a different kind of conversation uh, that we've had with CCAs in the past. I think one that's definitely needed in the market. So really appreciate you sharing your journey and uh, and, and being really real with us and, and honest around how that journey panned out. That's my mission. <laughs> None of us are infallible. Um, we're only human after all, as a famous singer said. Um, so yeah, um, it's been great. Thank you very much for the time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. Um, We're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible, and your reviews will help us.